We begin a study today on one of the most beautiful stories in all the Bible. In fact, the great author Charles Dickens called it the greatest short story ever written. I'm speaking, of course, about what we often call the parable of the prodigal son. You'll find it in the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter. And I'd ask you to open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 15. And you can place a marker there and leave it there for several weeks because we're going to spend several weeks unpacking the great truths that we find in this beautiful story. We're going to spend some time, God willing, in this series looking at all of the major characters. We'll spend some time looking at the younger son. We'll spend time looking at the father and we'll also spend some time looking at the older son. But today we're going to kind of get a wide angle view of this great story. We want to set the stage and understand the background and see when it was written and and, and why it was given and kind of get the, the big picture. In fact, you might be surprised to know that the story, the parable of the prodigal son was given in response to a criticism that Jesus received. Jesus was criticized and so he tells the story of the parable of the prodigal son. We'll see that in a little bit. Luke chapter 15 actually has three parables. Um, and uh, we have there the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost silver, and the parable of the lost son. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. Now, some Bible scholars see it as one parable with three different parts. And the, Jesus does say, so he spoke this parable to them. And so some see it, it's actually one parable with three different parts. And some say, no, it's three different parables. Well, regardless of how we classify it, the message is the same. Uh, and the message is clear. The theme is the same. And the theme is very clear. And here's what I want to do today. You have your Bibles open to Luke 15. Now, I know that this is a very well-known parable. But here's what I want to do today. I want to begin at verse 1. I want to read the entire chapter. And I would never discourage you from reading along. You ought to do that. But I want you to, to do more listening today. I want you to open your ears and listen as I read to you Luke chapter 15. And the parable of the lost sheep and the lost silver and the lost son. Now keep it open. We'll be studying it as a whole today. But I want you to listen. And, and, and do the best you can to listen as if you've never heard it before. I know that's difficult at times when a familiar passage comes up, but I want you to listen with, with new ears, if you will, today. Listen to Luke 15. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, well, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he is found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father But but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your father has come and because he has received, uh, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who's devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. And is alive again and was lost and is found. Oh, what a beautiful story. Probably, possibly the greatest short story ever written. But if you look back before we get to chapter 15, the very last words of chapter 14, the Lord Jesus is speaking And at the very end, the very last sentence in chapter 14, verse 35 says this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, then go what look what happens. Chapter 15, verse one. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. Yes, the hated tax collectors. 
The outright sinners, they come, they draw near to hear Jesus. And then we notice the response of the religious leaders in chapter 15, verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained. They murmured. They criticized. And here's what they criticized Jesus concerning. They said, and I quote, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus hears this accusation, this criticism, and he tells three stories. The stories we just read. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost silver, and the story of the lost son. And as we look at these three stories, we learn something about just how great our God is. We also learn just how great His amazing grace is. Three lessons I want to impress upon your heart this morning to kind of set the stage as we begin this series called Coming Home. Number one, it's this. God seeks and receives lost sinners. God seeks and receives lost sinners. Now, all three stories have something in common, and that is lostness. Something is lost. In the first story, you have a lost sheep. A shepherd who has a hundred sheep loses one, so he leaves the ninety-nine and goes searching for that one lost sheep. In the second story, you have a lost silver coin. A lady has ten coins. She loses one. Notice how the percentages are getting higher. You had one out of a hundred. That's one percent, right? The next story, you have one out of ten. That's ten percent. And so this lady, she diligently searches. She, she's going to lots of trouble. She lights a lamp. She's sweeping the house to find that coin. And beloved, these stories show us a picture of the grace of God. That is, he seeks out lost sinners. Some Bible teachers even see the Trinity in these three stories. They see God the Son, the Lord Jesus, in the first story as that shepherd going out looking for that sheep and finding it and placing it upon his shoulders and bringing him back. They see God the Holy Spirit in the second story as the woman lights the lamp just as the Holy Spirit illumines and lights the Word of God. And they see God the Father in the final story uh, as He's there welcoming back the prodigal son. Nonetheless, beloved, whether it's a picture of the Trinity or not, we do see it as a picture of God's grace and God's love because we see God pictured as that shepherd, as that lady, and as that father. And we see that God seeks and receives lost sinners. The Lord Jesus is very clear about this in His earthly life. In fact, so we didn't misunderstand, listen to what he said later on in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Earlier in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 30 through 32, And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That's a theme they liked to bring up, wasn't it? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, beloved, in these stories that Jesus tells, He's making it clear that He's seeking and searching for lost sinners. But then some might say, well, what about the third 
story. What about the prodigal son? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, in this 15th chapter, we have a picture of God's work and man's response. In other words, we have a picture in these three parables, in these three stories of divine sovereignty and then human responsibility. In the first two stories, you have God going out to the sinner. Pictured as a shepherd looking for the lost sheep. Pictured as that woman looking for the lost coin. But in the third story, we have a picture there of man's responsibility. As the son comes to himself, arises and goes to the father. We find a beautiful balance between divine sovereignty, God's work, and human responsibility. Our response to God's working. We find that in John chapter 6 verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. And so you have a great debate today between those who are Calvinists and those who are Arminians and those who say, oh, it's all of God. And those who say, no, it's man's response. Listen, the Bible teaches that God works to bring a sinner to repentance, but we must respond in faith. And both are a gift of God. In the first two stories, you have a lost sheep and a lost coin. Neither one of them can do anything. They're sought out and found. It's a picture of us, before we know the Lord Jesus, who are dead in trespasses and sin. But in the third story, we see a sinner who's come to himself. He realizes his awful, sad, helpless, pitiful position. And he repents and he comes home to the Father. But did you notice in the story, even that is a result of the goodness of the Father? He thought about the Father's goodness and how good He is to His servants and how gracious He is. And He's content to say, oh, I just want to be a servant to my gracious Father. I'm not worthy to be a son. You see the picture, beloved, of of divine sovereignty. God going out and seeking and searching for the lost. And also a picture of human responsibility. We must respond to God's working In our life. What an amazing thing here. Almighty God seeks and receives lost sinners. That's why Jesus came. He came and he spent time. He was often found with sinners. Why? He came to save them from their sin. What a glorious God we have. What amazing grace. But it grows even more amazing as you look at the story. Because as you go a little bit deeper into these three parables here, we, we learn not only does God seek and receive lost sinners, but God rejoices over saved sinners, those who are found. Did you notice that theme? In each story, every, something is lost, but in each story something is found. The, pre, the preacher Jerry Vimes calls Luke chapter 15, God's lost and found department. That's a good way to think about it. Something's lost in each story. Something's found in each story. But it's one thing for God to seek and to receive lost sinners. What a gracious God. But imagine Him rejoicing over those same found sinners. That's what we learn in this story. Look at it. Imagine Him rejoicing over us. Look back at the text now. Look at Luke chapter 15 beginning at verse 5. And when He is found it, He lays it on His shoulders. Watch this. Rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. Now notice verse 7. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven 
over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Do you see what happens? When someone comes to the realization... As the Holy Spirit works in their life, they realize they're lost, they're undone, they're a sinner, they're helpless, they're dead in their trespasses and sin, they cannot save themselves, they've offended a righteous, holy God. And they realize that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Savior. He died, was buried, arose again victorious. And they place their faith in Jesus Christ alone, and they're forgiven and saved. The Bible clearly says what? There's rejoicing in heaven. There's a celebration. He rejoices over that sinner that is found. Over one sinner. You say, well, you know, sometimes we have events and maybe we have a vacation house with all this work. And only one little boy or girl gets saved. Praise the Lord. Heaven's rejoicing. Never despise when just one comes. It's worth it all for one. Look at what else it says in the story. Verses 9 and 10. And when she is founded, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, watch it, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, beloved, God not only seeks and receives lost sinners, God rejoices over them when they're found. God rejoices over saved sinners. Keep looking. Look at verse 23 and 24. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost in his fount and they began to be merry. Drop down to verse 32. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. God not only seeks and receives lost sinners, God rejoices over them when they're found, when they repent. Which brings us to the third great lesson that we need to learn from this passage, and that's this. God loves sinners. God loves sinners. We need to grasp that truth, beloved. We need to get a hold of this. All have sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. The Bible's clear on that. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned. The Pharisees and scribes that were there criticizing the Lord Jesus, they were sinners and they needed Jesus just as much as the tax collectors and the outright sinners there that they did. You know, Jesus tried to emphasize that to them by picturing them in the story. So, well, preacher, where are they at in the story? The Pharisees and scribes are pictured as the older brother. What did the older brother do when he realized that his younger brother had come? Was he happy and rejoicing that he was lost and was found and he was back? No, he was angry. He was furious with the father to receive that dirty, rotten scoundrel back into fellowship. You see, their self-righteousness kept them from realizing their great need. And their own sinfulness. And their own lostness. They needed the Savior. And beloved, if we're not careful, even those of us who know the Lord, who are bound for heaven, who know the Lord Jesus, we can begin acting much like the Pharisees and the scribes. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean this. We can classify and write off certain sinners. We can choose not to reach out 
with the gospel to, to certain classes of people, to certain colors of people, to certain types of people. We forget what Jesus said. Let me remind you again. Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician. It's those who are sick who need a physician. He says, I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. We must not forget that Jesus desires to save all sinners. The most vile sinner and the most refined sinner. He desires to save the prostitute. I imagine there was probably a prostitute or two in that crowd that day listening. He desires to save the drug dealer. He desires to save, dare we say it, the child molester. He desires to save the rapist, the murderer, the thief, the abortionist. Just as he desires to save the doctor, the lawyer, the school teacher, the boy scout, the fireman, the policeman, the preacher. He desires to save all sinners. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, He condones no sin. He condones no sin. He doesn't save us so we can keep on sinning. He saves us from our sin. Praise be to His name. In fact, He saves us from the penalty of sin. He saves us from the power of sin. And ultimately, one day, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin as we are together forever with Him. But He desires to save sinners. God loves sinners. And so examine your own heart today. Are you like the father rejoicing? Or are you like the elder brother angry and furious thinking that what in the world that the father would welcome such a one into fellowship? Be honest today. What is your response to people getting saved? Are you okay as long as they're decent moral folk? What about when they're not decent moral folk? What about when they are outright vile and wretched? Are you okay with God saving them? Are you okay with God saving someone who's down and out? Someone whom you wouldn't even choose to speak to? See, that's what Jesus came for, to save that person. The most wicked, vile person you can think of. And by the way, it's only God's grace that you and I didn't reach that depth. All of us could have. But we're all sinners. And how dare we in self-righteousness think, well, it's okay to save that person or that person, but don't dare welcome that person or that person. Don't save them. No, Jesus came to seek and to save those who are sick, those who are down and out, those who are despised, those who are the wicked and the most vile. Those two are on Jesus' radar. He desires to save them. Where are our hearts? See, Jesus loves sinners. And this passage challenges to ask ourselves, do we love sinners? Do we remember that it's all of grace that we are saved? There's nothing in ourselves. We're lost, wretched, vile sinners in God's sight. But God says, I love you. I'll give my son for you. He will die for you, shed His blood for you, rise again victorious. If you'll put your faith in Him, I'll save you. And I'll not only save you, I'll rejoice that you're mine. And I'll make your son or daughter. And I'll welcome you to my family. And we'll rejoice and we'll spend forever together. Beloved, have our hearts been filled with self-righteousness and pride? Listen, we're all, all of us are just sinners saved by grace. We're just sinners.
saved by grace. God loves sinners. All of us deserve hell, but in grace He's given us heaven. Make no mistake about it, beloved. God loves sinners. He loves them. He seeks sinners. He receives sinners. He pardons them. He washes them. He rejoices over them. All of them. The Bible's clear in John 3.16. You know the verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever... That's a broad term, isn't it? Whoever... Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for how this passage begins. I'm thankful that He says at the end of chapter 14, He that have ears, let him hear. And it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear Him. And the Pharisees and scribes, they said, Listen, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Man, I'm so glad about that, aren't you? I'm glad that this man receives sinners and eats with them. Because if he didn't, I'd be lost today. Because I'm a sinner. And God has saved me in His grace. Old J. Vernon McGee told a story about a little girl who heard that verse read in a church on a cold London night. She stepped into the church. She was shivering and the church service was in progress. The pastor was reading that. And after the service, she came up to the preacher. And she said, sir, I never knew my name was in the Bible. The preacher said, well, little girl, what is your name? She said, my name is Edith. My name's Edith. And you can imagine that preacher there. He says, oh, honey, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I, I hate to tell you, but Edith, that name doesn't appear in the Bible. She said, yes, it does. She said, I heard you read it tonight. You read these words, Jesus receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <laughs> Beloved, he not only receives Edith, he receives Tom and Mary and John and Fred and Leroy and Bubba and you name it. The Bible says, whoever will come. I'll receive them. I'll welcome them. As they repent, I'll rejoice over them. What an awesome God we serve. Thank you, Father, that you seek and receive lost sinners. Gracious Heavenly Father, it is with gratefulness that we bow again. And I thank you for these stories the Lord Jesus told. And I thank you for the love that's displayed. And Lord, we see, we, we can't understand it, but just a small picture of how great you are. And how great your grace really is. Now, Father, I pray in this final few moments together. If anybody here has never responded to that call. They've never turned from their sin and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray your Holy Spirit to do a work in their life right now. Help them to see that you desire to save them. You desire to rejoice over them. You desire to give them a home in heaven, forgiveness of sin. To make them a child of God. 
And I pray that you would bless and work in the hearts and lives of these. Those who do not know you, would you bring them to yourself today? And then, Father, for those of us who do already know you, would you examine our hearts today? Would you help us to be real honest with ourselves and with you and see if maybe there is some self-righteousness in our hearts and we're acting much like the Pharisees and the scribes and the elder brother? Father, forgive us and help us to have a heart like your heart. And a vision like your vision, a desire like your desire. That you desire that all should come to repentance, that none should perish, that you love the whole world. From the most moral, upright, decent folk to the most vile and wretched people. You desire to save them all. Would you use us to help reach them with the gospel? And would you bring us to repentance if our hearts are not right with you this very moment? We love you and praise you and thank you and ask your blessing in this invitation now. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is number 519, Face to Face with Christ my Savior. And I want to be real clear this morning. If you're here today and you don't know for certain that your sin is forgiven, and that Jesus Christ is your Savior. As we begin singing, I'll be standing down here. Just step out from your row, walk down, take my hand, say, Preacher, I want to know for certain that Jesus is my Savior. Here's what I'll do. I'll take you, place you with someone who loves you and loves Jesus. They'll sit down and lead you to the Lord Jesus. That's just as simple and plain as I can be. And then for those of us who already know that is true in our lives, maybe God has worked in your heart today, and maybe... You've seen some things that you don't like and you realize that maybe there's some of that self-righteousness in your heart today. Maybe you need to come today in repentance. Or maybe God has laid someone upon your heart today that you need to talk to them about the gospel, about the Lord Jesus. Maybe you want to come and pray for them today. God desires for all to be saved, for all to come to repentance. And that should be our desire as well. You come as we sing. 519, let's stand and sing face to face with Christ my Savior. Let's stand and sing. Mm-hmm.